Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast presents Free Soul Podcast episode with And Yes. This time, And Yes will be having on his podcast Stacy G. Stacy G is a Buddhist poet, a chapbook author, a Davis representative, and a slam champion. Stacy G has been trekking in the Sacramento and Davis area for quite a while, at least, at least about four years, at least about four to five years. And the reason why we're going to do this episode is because we found out that Stacy G is going to be on another adventure. She's getting ready to move to the Bay Area. And even though Stacy G has put herself in some interesting soil here and laid some serious roots in um, in the Sacramento and Davis area. We give her a fond salute and a good journey as she goes over to the Bay Area. And now, without further ado, Free Soul Podcast with... Hello, this is the Free Soul Podcast, and I'm here today with one of my favorite people on the whole planet. Uh, this is Stacy G, who has been a representative at the Women of the World Poetry Slam, has slammed all over Sacramento, has been doing wonderful things. Uh, not in COVID times, though. No. Uh, very much shut down. <laughs> Everything is shut down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, give a quick hello to the people, if you could. Hello, people. Hi, <laughs> listeners. Thank you for joining us. Hey, yeah. So uh, I, I guess I'll start off with the easy question, which is, how long have you been doing poetry? Oh, gosh. I hate this question because it's like <laughs> I've been doing poetry. In- we'll, we'll say like in terms of doing open mics. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my first open mic in Sacramento was in 2017 when I serendipitously walked into Luna's. Turns out there was a slam going on. <laughs> they were like, wait, was that an open mic or a slam? I can't remember. <laughs> was it a Friday or a Thursday? It was a Thursday. Okay, that would have been an open mic. Right. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and you've done all sorts of different things since then, uh, using poetry. Uh, Like I said, the women of the world, but we'll get to that in a second. And I'm just curious, though. So you come in on a Thursday. Yes. What made you show up in the first place? Uh, As I was, oh, I had just graduated from Chico State. I moved back recently and I just wanted to find my footing like in the art scene and then the poetry scene. I had done um, some open mics. Actually, I have done open mics in Chico. Sorry. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in Sacramento, though. Yeah. It's your first time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I was just like wanted to see what was out there and have a space to express myself here while I was home <laughs> starting anew. <laughs> Yeah, and what brought you to Luna's, though, like, of all places? I I don't remember. I think I just Google searched open mics, and Luna's was, like, top, top search. (laughs) Uh, It had one, like, best of Sacramento type of thing. Uh, It has that, like, 
recognition. The from A-list. The, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's dope. And um, you write a lot about your personal experience being an Asian American woman. And I'm wondering, this is a question I like to ask almost every, I've asked almost everybody on this show, which is as an Asian American woman in your case, do you feel like your story is being told in America? Oh gosh, no. (laughs) Well, not for, it hadn't been for a long time. And I guess more recently because of COVID times, um, anti-Asian sentiment around the pandemic, uh, there has been more vocal, uh, I guess in my circles or like in my, uh, purview, I see like a lot more Asian American actors and actresses, celebrities, uh, people, uh, with a huge platform speak out more, um, about this anti-Asian sentiment. Uh, and I definitely didn't see that a lot, uh, pre-pandemic, it was very sporadic and it's unless you were looking for it, it wasn't really there. Um, and I was obviously looking for it because (laughs) I was like, I am a person too. And I don't identify with any of these stories. So who's telling a story that's similar to mine. Um, and, and that was like a struggle, you know, the needle in the haystack to try to look to, to find that before. And it's always interesting how that, that strife will often bring about the the opposition mm-hmm. people who will stand up and actually say something instead of just letting it go on right and uh because yeah like you were saying before covid is very much wasn't really hearing anything about any kind of uh, struggles within the asian community in terms of how they're treated by the rest of the country or anything like that right right yeah so um let's see oh here we go. So I have a whole list of questions. Oh, no. I, I, I prepared. I prepared okay. for this. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, so, I, getting more into the why did, or what made you start doing poetry side of things, why did you pick poetry? Like, Ooh. what made you gravitate towards poetry versus any other medium? Yeah, I kind of, that's a really good question. I really needed to tell my story. Like I just had something inside of me and I didn't know how to like really express it. Um, And I found that poetry was most accessible, uh, writing and uh, just expressing myself. And I realized that like, okay, I can write an essay and do a speech and that's great, but it's not, it's not captivating and it's not really like capturing the essence of like how I was feeling and what I was going through, like the frustration and trying to unravel my own Asian American history, um, that journey there. And I think that poetry is most accessible because like, oh, do you have a pen and paper? There it is. Like, do you have a phone that can take notes? There it is. Like now you can do poetry. Do you have a story to tell? Yes, you do. (laughs) Like, I think everybody has a story to tell. And I just think that like, um, I forgot who said it. I want to say it's Alice Walker, but she had said that like writing is the most accessible art form because you don't need very much like mm-hmm. painting or uh, drawing or if you're trying to like do a film or music, you know, you need a lot more, a lot more like supplies or a lot more things around, you know, but if you're, if you like want to write your story, you know, pen and paper, <laughs> pe- pencil, whatever, ink, feather, feather ink (laughs) yeah um you know not everybody has like access to audio equipment not everybody has like access to uh um like 
paintbrushes and paints, um, you know, canvases or um, film, even like good like filming equipment and stuff. So I found that like poetry was the easiest thing for me to uh, to tell my story. And also it's great because it's like, oh, here's three to five minutes of me talking, not interrupted. And let me just say the things I need to say and then leave, you know, yeah. and it's either recorded or not recorded or, you know, it's it, it comes in like various uh, forms and is accessible to various forms. So I found that poetry was just most accessible to accessible to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like raw. It's like just me there on the mic writing the words <laughs> and saying the words and so. you don't have to worry about someone else's style coming into it like if you're a filmmaker you have to worry about how the actor is going to portray your, right. your words or your direction yeah exactly yeah. it's like i wrote the words i created the thing and then i'm saying and like per- saying the things that i want to say and people will take it how they will um but i think that yeah, exactly. Like with film, it's actors or actresses may or may not portray like the message or the essence that you're trying to say. Yeah. And, and the other beautiful part about poetry that I love is that you can really see the the story within the story, which is your growth as a writer mm-hmm. throughout the whole time. So like, how would you describe yourself when you started versus how you are right now? Oh, gosh, when I first started, like the only thing that uh, I really saw was like angry poetry. So I was like trying to channel like all of my frustration and all of like, you know, uh, the unraveling, as I said, of, of uh, the Asian American history and the Asian American story. And I think in the beginning, I was like more about like, this is, you know, this is really angry. Like, um, this is very political, very socially conscious. And nowadays, I find myself writing like, love stories or like uh about healing and about like my journey and um and oh in the beginning i was like writing uh really long poems and then i realized that like the audience's attention span (laughs) (laughs) and also like my need to perform for that long straight is so long uh like yeah the attention span is short but then like me performing is a very long time so i wrote like six minute poems seven minute poems yeah yeah i kind of want to hear one of (laughs) them oh actually yeah the abc poem was actually like seven to eight minutes yeah seven to eight minutes but now um cutting it down for slam purposes and also uh just getting more to the point instead of this long drawn out thing uh became it it just like refined my poetry a lot more yeah no uh, that's kind of the story behind my alien poem the finding home in your mars it used to be like five six minutes long no kidding yeah and i would slam it and then jenny would come up after the slam and go Jenny Davison, wonderful. Hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she'd come up afterwards and go like, "All right, so that's a time penalty, just to let you know." <laughs> so I ended up shortening it. Which, uh, on the the point that you made, making it more concise for people to be able to understand exactly what's going on, hit your points, and get out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that people don't consider when it comes to writing a lot, which is the editing yeah. side. Yeah. How much editing do you feel like you do now versus back then? Ooh, I, yes. That's a that's a great point, because I definitely do way more editing and refining than I did back then. And actually, like, practicing my poems instead of, like, going out and just reading whatever I wrote. I was like, wow, this is garbage no <laughs> in the middle of your poem the realization of like i am talking too long that last line
mine sucked. I should have. You see, like, in the back row, people are just pulling up their phones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, like, people's, like, furrowed brows, like, wait, trying to understand. <laughs> Not because you did, you said something very profoundly deep, but because <laughs> you just jumbled words together. <laughs> definitely editing a lot more and going back over and over oh gosh i've done like the abc poem i feel like there's maybe like six or seven additions to that uh poem so yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of your performance like especially uh, i haven't been able to see you perform in about a year and a half but, but you did women of the world poetry slams shortly before and it was beautiful being able to work with you and jeanette who we interviewed last week, uh, if you're on the, the podcast, if you keep a track. Uh, uh, but like being able to work with you and Jeanette on the performance side and really seeing you grow in that way. And I don't know, like, I, I want to ask the egotistical question of like, did anything I do help? Like, does it stick with you? But I guess, how does it feel performing now versus when you started? Oh, yeah. I do want to say that. Um, thank you. Because oh, yeah. I was I, so I was not trying to bet for the, the <laughs> a fish for the compliment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reeled me in. <laughs> like, um, yeah, well, um, I was really grateful for that experience for one, because I think like I didn't take poetry very seriously. It was more like a leisure thing or something for fun. Um, but being part of that competition really uh, put a mirror in front, in front of my face of like uh, a, the, a poet competitive poet now um i never really saw myself as that competitive and i've done a lot of slams but i never really felt like i deep dived into my poetry in that competitive essence um so like you show enough um i talked to brandon i talked mm -hmm. to ike torres um it was very helpful to have that to have that uh that opportunity to like continuously refine my poem like yeah. yeah and and the fact that like the exercises that you helped me and Jeanette go through um the you know like the tips like of like hey like you know try to sh like t like show show us instead of just tell us right um a volume you know just uh as a performer like you sat in the back of a room and you're like I want to hear you from uh, from here i was like oh well great <laughs> yeah it was um old old improv little tune-ups basically when i started doing improv because I, I was a very quiet person when i started and so it was it was uh i believe it was matt russell shout out to matt russell who he he went behind the wall of of the the theater we were in and he goes i want to be able to hear you from here and i'm like are you sure is too loud? i feel like i'm yelling <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and different emotional exercises to get just like try things out with poems that's kind of yeah uh, always a good thing to do if you're a listener who's curious about performing poetry just try different emotions out see how they fit sometimes one fits that you didn't think would yes absolutely yeah and i think like i learned to really speak from like my gut rather than just my heart and mm -hmm. and so um it was definitely digging a lot deeper for that voice and that volume um to for to express the poem you know because it because it comes out uh much more with like oomph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was really helpful and that was that was a really good journey too because i think i grew so much in such a short amount of time yeah and i mean like from your aspect i'm kind of wondering when are we gonna get a stacy g one person show oh <gasps> 
Oh, that was never in my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but like, I, I think you could you could hit like a thirty minute set and be absolutely wonderful the whole way through. Like, Thank I you. would love to hear a full breadth of what you do because sometimes in slam, I've noticed at least with my work, I tend to get pigeonholed into like do this poem, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And there's certain poems that we believe work better than others for slam. Yeah. So like for me, I focus a lot on my heritage and on well being fat mm-hmm. and you know body ownership. And I guess the question is, do you feel like you you fall in similarly? Oh, choosing certain poems because you feel like they'll work. Yeah, definitely. I think slam is much more about uh, digging into the emotional aspect of the poem rather than like just your story and what resonates well with the audience versus like uh, what's resonating with you at the time. And I think definitely I have chosen certain poems to do at slams because they are always received well. They get higher points. I'm most confident with them. Um, And also, uh, the difference between, like, the slam here in Sacramento versus... Uh, <laughs> How would you define that? Slam and... Oh, gosh. It's really... Uh, <laughs> uh, one thing that I realized was that at Women of the World Poetry um, Slam, I was getting, like, eights and nines and, you know, almost tens. And yeah. in Sacramento, like, I hadn't been getting too much, like of those scores like maybe like eights and and seven sevens and eights um and so to kind of get judged by other poets by your your getting your poems judged by other poets was really affirming for me um just as a performer as a writer um that it was like okay these people know what a good poem is and they liked it and you should continue doing the thing. (laughs) It's not like a random person in a juice bar who's just kind of like having a good time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, are they sauced or not? Are they feeling (laughs) this or not? Like, yes, exactly. It makes a huge difference. It does. And and that's something that people forget a lot that I try to bring up is that slam. So for those of us who don't know, uh, the two people who are listening to this, who don't know, which are out of three listeners. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Slam is basically you have five random judges. They kick off the, the highest score, they kick off the lowest score, and they add in the three in the middle. And that's your score for the round. Mm-hmm. Multiple rounds of that. And uh, yeah, sometimes the judges who show up are just random people who yeah. happen to be there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, so you never know what mindset they're in. You never know really what um, their preference of poetry is, yeah. how they approach poetry in the first place. Yeah. So it's always interesting, and it, it could be very easy, kind of like what you were saying, to judge yourself mm-hmm. based off of random people's judgments. Right, yeah. Imagine if you're like just a street performer and stuff, and you just like chose randomly like three people from the street and you're like okay this is what i'm getting judged on like your opinion matters so it you determine whether i should move on or continue doing this thing and um and it's a mess a hot mess (laughs) (laughs) and something that jeanette brought up that i think was interesting is that like for her when she went to women of the world poetry slam she made friends and she felt like she won yeah. From that aspect. Did you make a lot of friends out there? Did you get to talk to people? I did make a lot of connections, social media connections, and that was really helpful. Um, I feel like it mean Jeanette really grew, uh, our relationship grew. Mm. And that's what was really uh, powerful for me. That's yeah. 
the biggest well, takeaway. Just so you know, uh, she said the same thing. <gasps> oh! Just putting that out there. <laughs> 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 Would have been really funny if she came on the show. She was like, yeah, I knew Stacy was there or whatever. <laughs> she's, she's like, like I, best friend. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I can't talk to Stacy ever again <laughs> while I'm here. <laughs> like, it's like you're a little one-sided like best friend. Like She's my best friend, but I'm not her best friend. <laughs> I'm glad it's mutual. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So, uh, kind of similar to the topics that we were talking about before. Um, uh, well, not the kind of similar to what we discussed recently. Uh, is there a topic of a poem that you just haven't approached yet that you're trying to figure out? Yeah, I think uh, right now with the COVID, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, um, anti-Asian sentiment. Um, a lot of my old poetry already speaks to that about like identifying as Asian American as uh, showing like the historical discrimination showing that like, Hey, we are still put into this neat little box um, expectations versus reality. Um, the complexities of like our, the community of being Asian, <laughs> like how many billions of people does that encompass? And like, um, that's really funny because somebody was telling me that like, oh, I have two kids, but they're so they're as different as night and day, you know, and I'm just like and obviously me just centering myself in the mm-hmm. conversation. It was like, you know, you have two kids who are like from the same family, from like the same community background, blah, blah, blah. blah. But then like you at the same time, you're like trying to lump billions of people together. And when you understand that, like, uh, two people can be so different then you should also like maybe understand that billions of people are just different from one another, you know, like how many different forms and personalities and personas and likes and dislikes and, um, those types of things, you know? So it's very, uh, it's very hard for me to, to, uh, hear people like say, Oh, it's like, you know, night and day, like, you know, brother and sister are so different. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, people in the same community, there's more difference within a community than like between communities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, even me and my brothers, we're all very different people. Right. Even right. Though we have some similar qualities. Like we all look like my dad, <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and even then like, uh, the designation of Asian, yeah. Has always been a strange one to me. Yes. Like, yeah. even I remember as a kid, I thought, like, but there's like literally billions of people. <laughs> yes. Who were just going, oh, yeah, you're, you're Asian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm really shocked that we haven't refined that more. Yeah. Yeah. There is a movement to disaggregate the data, you know, instead of saying like Asian, you know. Um, now there's like South Asian, Southeast Asian, Eastern Asian, Middle Eastern Asian, and, um, and then, like, of course, like, Russia, the Asianic <laughs> country, yeah. the country in, like, the Asianic continent or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there there is a movement to, like, really break that down because, like, data just doesn't tell the whole story, you know? Yeah. Like, some people come from war-torn countries. Some people are migrated here because their parents got scholarships to, like, work at a university, you know? Drastically different climates, which produce drastically different ways of living. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, like, some people don't have a country, and, like, they there's a difference, like, different waves of immigrants that come here for different reasons. And understanding, like, it's, it's as different as, like, I don't know, northeastern 
the United States or something in <laughs> southeastern United States. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, to say someone from New Hampshire versus Florida versus California <laughs> is the same is a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. From somebody from, like, Japan and India and, like, <laughs> Afghanistan or something. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, well, I'm looking forward to to hearing those those words come out of you. Oh, thank as you. you. Find them. There's actually another poem I'm really trying to work for mm. through, and it's um, right now Myanmar, where my parents are from, um, is going through like a dictator, military dictatorship yeah. t- takeover. Um, so there's like a poem there that I just, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot to it. Have you been able to go to Myanmar? Never. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, one day I'll go, one day I go. And then, like, pandemic hit. I was like, oh, I should have gone. And then military dictatorship took over. Oh, I should have gone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now they'll change the name and you'll be like, ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, on a whole other cultural side, um, I, I don't know how comfortable you are going into all of this, but I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about your practice as someone who's Buddhist. Yeah. I love going into Buddhism. Okay, <laughs> <It's> well, <perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't heard poems of yours that mention it at least mm-hmm. very much. Mm. Is that a topic that you just kind of naturally don't gravitate towards? Or is that something that I just haven't heard yet? Oh, I think it, it's something you just you haven't heard yet. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking. Um, it's a lot of healing, a lot of like, uh, talking about like love being existing there before, like, you know, you acknowledge it, um, about like just sitting with your emotions and just sitting with like who you are as a person, self-acceptance, has that been a lifelong practice for you or is that something you got into? Something I got into okay. more recently. So, um, my journey with Buddhism. Yeah, was, yeah, please do the, do the whole thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story, um, was that like my parents and I, we had been like per- peripheral Buddhists where like, where we like identify as being Buddhist, but like, we don't know what that really means. <laughs> yeah. We're just like saying we are, but like, just not, nah, I don't know. Like if you were like, what is Buddhism? It's like, Buddha was a person taught Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> then he died. And then now we're still <laughs> like, that's, you know, that's the extent of our knowledge. Um, as a former Catholic, there's a lot of Catholics who could uh, similarly. identify. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess, uh, 2000, 2014, 15 or so, um, my dad started really getting into into Buddhism, um, going to the monastery that used to be located in Elk Grove, um, volunteering there, asking questions to the monks there, really like deep diving into it. Um, my practice was more like going to a meditation retreat, like 2016, 2007, 16, 17, hmm. something like that. Yeah. And, um, that's when I was like, oh, I, I am now a Buddhist. Like I understand and I, and I get it. Um, now I definitely like believe in like about Buddhism and it was a lot like before I thought it was very like spiritual where it's just like, okay, you have to like pray to Buddha. You have to like offer incense. You have to like, (laughs) you have to like do certain things and everything was bad karma. (laughs) Like don't do that or else you're going to get bad karma. Like that was like the extent of what I, you know, it was a lot of fear 
based stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, as a Catholic, former Catholic, I can <laughs> definitely <laughs> mix with that. Uh, well, shoot, for our listeners who are listening, uh, often we hear about karma from a very California perspective hmm. of like, if I don't hold the door open for you, like that's bad karma. Mm-hmm. What is karma? <laughs> oh, yeah. So the word karma is actually like a Pali word. Uh, Pali is like the language of the Buddha. And um, he he said like karma is more like your actions. So, uh, what you do to other people is like your karma, but what other people do to you is their karma. Mm. So, um, and karma, like, okay, so like the word karma itself is action, but then like the law of karma is like cause and effect, you know? Interesting. So, in a way, what you do to others is a, is a statement about yourself. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And um, a lot of people are like, uh, get the misconception and like it's like predeterminism like oh it's because of my karma that i have like you know i live in this way and i have to be this way and etc etc and buddha was like no 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 (laughs) you have autonomy you can decide you have to think and like realize you know your actions have consequences there's autonomy there's self-responsibility there's like learning like oh i don't know what's good and what's bad like well go find out you know (laughs) um question it like make sure that it makes sense to you like does it is it something that you can identify and test for yourself and see like actual effects of it if that makes sense absolutely yeah and and so uh to clear this up because this is still something that i hear frequently hmm. is buddha a god <laughs> <It's just clear. laughs> what <laughs> yeah like there's a lot of people out there who think buddha is like a god that people pray to oh, as like yeah. a deity yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, I guess you'd have to like define what God is. Mm-hmm. Like he's not like a he doesn't determine like what your fate is going to be, right? Yeah, he doesn't yeah, like create yeah. anything for you. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that Buddha is a teacher. Like uh, he teaches you like what are good things and what are bad things, and he teaches you like how to go about like oh, if you like want to be a like good child or something, then you take care of your parents. You know, if you have like a good relationship with your parents, um, and like Buddha is not necessarily a God God where you think that like he can create things or like he is going to like determine like you go to hell and you go to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you're going to be reborn as an animal <laughs> or not, you know? <laughs> Cause that's such a common refrain from especially Judeo Christian minded yeah. people yeah. when they hear about Buddhism and mm-hmm. they hear about Buddha, they go like, Oh, so Buddha is the God that they pray to, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, the same way that I prayed to God. Yeah. Up yeah. There. Jesus. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, give me this Cadillac, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I guess to, to flip gears, because we are coming towards the end, I try to keep these about 30 minutes. What? I know. Like, it's, it's sped by. I, I looked at the clock. I was like, oh. <laughs> and, and I fail horribly every time I keep you at 30 minutes. But um, in terms of the Sacramento poetry scene, there's uh, obviously during COVID, everything shut down. But under normal circumstances, what's something that you would change about the poetry scene if you could? Mm, um, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to say. Uh, I don't really feel as immersed into the Sacramento poetry mm. scene as like to be able to criticize it or like to be able to say like this should change and this should not change. And like, um, well, that's, that's something valid in and of itself. Yeah. Like what, 
Is it a lack of desire on your part to become more immersed, or is it that you just don't know how to get more immersed? Mm, I think it's a, part of it is a, like a lack of desire to okay. try to get more immersed into it. Yeah. Um, what do I? What do I want to change about? Ah, oh, I guess like more poetry shows. Um, I think like poetry can be an opening act to everything, like <laughs> like to music, um, to like festivals, to I don't know, like a farmer's market or like um, poetry is very uh, versatile. So I think I wish that there would be like more opportunities for poets to come out. And it kind of seems like a lot of poets have to like create those opportunities. Yeah. You know, Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's like what I always used to say uh, about like stand up. If you do stand up. Yeah. It's not a specific like one to one. You do this, then you get this. But there is. A pathway made for you. You do open mics, and then you get invited for features. You get paid for features, and you get invited to host. You move out to the areas around you, to different cities, and it just continues and grows from there uh, if you're doing it right. Right. (laughs) And uh, with poetry kind of feeding off of what you're saying there, it's very much there's no system for it. Mm-hmm. there's no final destination of like, if you do all this, you'll yeah. get a late night TV show. Right. Doing yeah. spoken word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a blessing and a curse in that you can make your own path and do literally anything with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I went, which you were a part of the, uh, the spoken word federation. Yes. When we ran that show, that combining so pro wrestling with spoken word. Yeah. It's weird shit. <laughs> the advantage of spoken word is that, you can be weird like that because people don't know what to expect. <laughs> right. Yeah. I felt like that, that like was, that was so fun because you made it like a competition, but it wasn't really like a competition. It just like had that guise of a competition, yeah. like head to head, one on one. You it's, know, I really wanted to capture in terms of the, the backstage stuff, kind of the, the vibe of actual pro wrestling, which is like, we're all in this together. We're here to make a good show first and foremost. And really whoever wins, it doesn't matter because it's, it might as well be predecided. But in this case, there was like audience applause. And again, random judges who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're all dope. And the reason why I invited everyone here very carefully chose who pairs with who. Yeah. It's because yeah. I was like, I know you'll work together. Yeah. There will be beef afterwards. Yes. Bullshit. Yeah. Cause that would have broken my heart the most. Is if we had left the show and it's like you and Shona were kind of like, <laughs> like mm. that poem was trash. Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> how could you have gotten that? Yeah, <laughs> beauty pageant status. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Well, well, I guess I'll ask uh, this last question and then we'll kind of descend out of the two more questions. Okay, I'll I'll dig up a second one while you answer <laughs> okay. this one. Um, so <laughs> we'll go. What's your currently at the moment? Uh, you've had a lot of free time. Have you been reading poetry at all? Mm, yeah. And if so, what's your favorite poets who you've been reading? Oh, okay. Um, I have been reading uh, Alicia Harris, uh, yeah. who is a phenomenal East Coast poet. She, um, just her metaphors and her double meanings and like her homonyms, like just, it, it blows me, it blows my mind. Um, so I have her book and I've been reading it out loud just to get the essence of like the spoken wordness of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like one thing when you just read it and hear it in your head versus like you read it out loud. Um, it gives like a special, um, a special effect to it, I guess. Um, and 
let's see who else have been oh listening to Jeanette's stuff like mm-hmm. she sends me her poems and she writes to me and um <laughs> yeah just her she i think she's a brilliant writer and oh. in all essence honestly because um she really you you can just like identify with what what she's writing and her her essence of like joy and healing and like believing in love and um and everything that she writes is is beautiful like she's a really smart smart writer (laughs) and i really like appreciate her um who else is there oh gosh uh there's also um brandon leak of course Mm -hmm like he like watching his videos um he also does like a lot of uh helpful videos for poets who like want to get into more like professional artists like what does that mean yeah yeah yeah, which i love that he does that for the community (laughs) (laughs) i I love that like he won agt won america's got talent and a lot of the times when people win those kind of events and they start getting bigger opportunities, they can get a little full of themselves and they can do this and that and start acting like they're holier than now. And I love that Brandon's pretty much the exact same person as he was before. Yeah. And that same giving, loving person. Yeah. Super yeah. humble, super uh, never forgets his roots. Uh, never. He always, he checks in with me every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's always giving back too yeah Yeah, it's important well uh in this time i've been able to find one more question to ask you which is can i have a high five yes (laughs) (laughs) perfect that has been the free soul poetry podcast i've been here with the wonderful stacy g thank you so much for coming out thank you i can't wait to record the poem and you take care of yourselves it's towards the end of COVID. I'm pointing off into nobody right now because I'm a very emotive speaker when I do a podcast for some reason. Uh, but make sure you're taking care of yourselves and I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.